Welcome to Islamic Life Coach School Podcast. Apply tools that you learn in this podcast and your life will be unrecognizably successful. Now your host, Dr. Kamal Akhtar. Hello, hello, hello everyone. Peace and blessings be upon all of you. Alhamdulillah, I take a lot of pride in the content I deliver in these podcasts. But after every 20 or 30 episodes, I give you guys a special gift. And this podcast is marking the 80th episode And I wanted to deliver another such special gift to you. And this gift would be of the enjoyment of your own company. So throughout this podcast, I will be quoting evidence from the Islamic tradition. And most of it is from Sheikh Mikhail Smith from the Kalam Institute. So we all have to remember that revelation came in the cave in a moment of solitude. And when we think of solitude, we think of loneliness. Being physically alone and feeling loneliness are two different things. You can be in a crowd and feel lonely, and you can be in a crowd and feel a sense of solitude. Solitude is the time you allow yourself to discover yourself. Most of us, when we start doing this, we start to daydream, and our mind starts to wander. Ponder these questions. What do you think about when you are alone? What do you do when you are alone? Do you read books? Watch TV? Do you automatically default to dhikr and prayers? Do you create a lot of anxiety like a manufacturing line? (laughs) Yeah, that happens. When we are alone, we create a lot of uncomfortable emotions because our brains generate thoughts that create the discomfort, anxiety, stress, worry. And our brains are doing that and we don't redirect the brain. We think that we are at the mercy of our brains having these thoughts. We think that we are at the mercy of these emotions being spontaneously generated. And we are to just sit there and expose ourselves to being abused in this case by our brains, in a moment where we're trying to find solitude, but we end up being lonely. If that's what being alone looks like for you, then just know that you have the capacity built in within yourself where you can direct your brain to be your friend. In times of solitude, our brains are running unsupervised, creating the same uncomfortable emotions of worry and stress, guilt and shame, so we completely avoid being alone. We avoid being ourselves, we avoid being with our thoughts. Because I don't like the way I feel when I'm alone. That's the usual sentence. So here we are creating some space for solitude so we can start working on our mental fitness. If you're in pain when you're alone, always remember the pain is being created by your thoughts, by your perception of the world. To change the situation instead of continuously occupying yourself so that you can cover up these thoughts, I invite you to become friends with your thoughts. When you don't have a good relationship with yourself, when you don't like the content of your thoughts, you will do whatever it takes to dampen the effect, to subdue it. You'll bury it down. You will do whatever it takes to escape yourself. So how do we actually fulfill this sunnah of solitude? I mean, it is a sunnah. How can we emulate the Prophet, peace be upon him, more in this regard? He had a habit of finding moments of solitude. And the answer is that you have to begin by letting your brain talk at its natural pace and rhythm. You have to let the brain create whatever it wants to create. Because when you resist what it's creating, when you try to suppress it, you are in judgment of what's happening. And whatever you judge, you cannot change. From judgment, you will only recycle and recreate the shame and guilt. So let the brain create its rant. You have to let it spill all of its contents and let it do whatever it wants to do. But you have to be in curiosity of that. 
And by you, I mean the uppercase you, the higher you, the essence, the soul, the higher brain. Your higher self curiously observes your lower brain creating the monkey chatter. In times of loneliness, your patterns will emerge. You will come to sort of a revelation about your life. Things will surface for you that you might have been hiding from for a long time. And when that happens, you might identify things that you actually want to change. From this place, most people opt out of this whole exercise. <laughs> They're like, I don't like what I'm hearing. I don't want this. I'm going to escape. But if you take the option of staying and actually listening to what your brain has to offer you without judgment, then you can actually do something to create a change. You can actually lessen the pain that you're creating from that place. While if you're taking the option of escaping, then you're compounding the pain. In this attempt of you outrunning yourself, you're only just a step further from it until it catches up to you, and then you have to find the next thing to escape it. You might engage in the next adventure, in the next meeting, in the next project. You might engage in the next PTA bake sale, the next certificate course. You might engage in incessantly cleaning the house. And you keep going on and on like an energizer bunny, not realizing that this escape method is creating a monster out of the pain. The beauty of following a practice of solitude is that you get to discover what it is that you're escaping from. You get to discover what it is that you don't like. You get to discover how much authority you actually have over yourself. Solitude, as I define it, is the practice of observing your thoughts. And that part is extremely important. It can be achieved in a crowded room, and it can be achieved when you're by yourself. To practice influence and authority over your life, you have to observe it. Because the more you escape it, the less authority you will have over it. The escape mechanisms deny us the true pleasures of life. Being a workaholic denies us the simplest recognition that we might actually like what we're doing. Hypersexuality denies us intimacy. Overeating denies us the joys of savoring the food. And in escape mode, we end up resenting what we would otherwise be grateful for. We end up resenting whoever or whatever we're using as an escape. So the practice of solitude, the way it is described in our deen, is profoundly impactful. In solitude, you'll get to discover what it is that you actually value and how many days in the calendar you've actually scheduled with the distractions, and these distractions are actually taking you away from your values. What I'm describing here in terms of solitude is a skill. It has nothing to do with introversion or extroversion. While those might be inherent tendencies, introverts are not better at practicing solitude than extroverts. We all have to develop the skill of being with ourselves. So this goes back to the podcast I've done before, which is about commanding your mind. This is about being in solitude while observing your brain and commanding it to go where you want it to go. Your brain would like to daydream. Your brain would like to think whatever it wants to do without structure or instructions. You can let it digress from the focus of your attention because it's going to do that anyways, but bring it back, direct it back to the point of your attention. If you don't direct it back towards what you want to attend to, it is going to want to default to the voice of the nafs, the lower brain. So practice solitude with a sense of commitment, not with a sense of, I'll go wherever the wind takes me. 
the best commitment to make to yourself before you enter a moment of alone time is that I'm going to watch my thoughts like a bystander. In this world of hyperconnectivity and work being in the palm of your hand, awareness is very difficult to create. In solitude, we also end up creating the busyness of mind when we actually want to create awareness. We are so good at creating busyness, it is so well practiced and it comes so effortlessly that we tell ourselves we are trying to spend time alone, but we come out more exhausted from these moments of solitude. Because while the body might be still, the mind is running at the same fast pace. That is not the goal of the Sunnah of the Prophet Solitude is so you can become familiar and intimate with yourself. Kind of like when you are intimate with another person, you could just be in their presence without having to constantly do something. Solitude is supposed to create that intimacy for yourself. Because when we arrive with that kind of intimate relationship with ourselves, we can actually recognize our Creator. From that place, we can actually help answer more existential questions of life that everyone carries within themselves. Why am I here? Why am I created? Who created me? What's the point of this? And by the way, having these questions is not a sign of weak faith. We are actually encouraged to ask these questions and come up with the answers for ourselves because arriving at your own answers deepens your faith much more than if you just borrowed your actions of faith from somebody else or somewhere else. If you're in a position where you don't know the meaning of your life, don't be alarmed. It's quite natural. And the way to get to the answer is through solitude. It's through contemplation and being able to be with yourself. On the other side of solitude is immense discovery, contentment, and realization of ideas that you didn't think you were capable of creating. That is the path of the higher brain. It has to go through a period of no stimulation. That's the way it gets to your wisdom. To get to the answers that are true to you, not the answers that the world and the experts are feeding you, you have to take the slower path. Your fitrah was created in a way where it gives you answers in a slow, meticulous, and piecemeal manner. It does not give you an answer like a physics problem, which is an immediate solution. It doesn't give you answers like a math problem. Information that you're looking out there that you think you would change your life is actually within you, and that period of solitude gets you closer to that information. Without solitude, that wisdom will remain uncovered. It will remain hidden like a treasure chest waiting to be found. There has to be time in your day where there is no entertainment, when there is no excitement or stimulation. That's the time where the dust of the mind chatter settles and the air becomes clear and you can see through. I can just sense the biggest objection coming up for you and that will be, I don't have time for that. So many obligations, kids, work, things that need to be done. I can't take time away for solitude. On one hand, I will offer you that you can practice solitude in the middle of your day if that's what you need to do. Although it is highly, highly advisable that you make time to get away from others and be alone, separate yourself from the phone and electronic devices, and also it is highly advisable that you be in nature because there is a certain energy frequency in the nature that you are designed to match. And that is calming to your nervous system. Of course, no surprises there because human beings are created from the earth and we are a part of the earth. 
where we are deeply connected to it, much more than what can even scientifically be explained. So while it is not ideal that you find solitude among other people or between other simulations, but we don't have to jump to the ideal as a starting place. You can practice solitude in a traffic jam. Just turn off the music, just turn off the podcast, just turn off the stimulation for the moment. To ease yourself into this practice, you can even practice solitude around your children. Just ask them for some quiet time. I practice solitude when I'm with my kids. I tell them it's good to be bored. And I tell them we're just going to be with our thoughts now. <laughs> they hate it. They want entertainment. They want stimulation. They're getting better at the practice, but we're not quite there yet. When they were little and in the middle of the shower, I could just ask them, I need a few moments of alone time. And I would counteract it with fully engaged moments when we're laughing, tickling, and playing together. And there's a meaningful back and forth of communication, either verbally or with actions. I totally let them in in the program. I tell them, Mama hasn't had a chance to be with her thoughts today, so you've got to give me five minutes. And with enough of this practice, they know what to expect. They know that she might not reply for the time being, but she will come back online and she will engage again. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. Don't judge yourself for needing that time. When you start to practice solitude in these pockets of time within your day, your brain will give you options where you will get creative and you'll find yourself making excuses to find time alone. All you have to do is to not give in to the restlessness. All you have to do is allow boredom. And trust me, it was not easy for me. This was a tough challenge, but it is so extremely rewarding that I would do it all over again if I had to. So just sit down on the sofa without the phone, without the remote. The worries of your next meal to prepare will come. The worries about the next quarterly meeting will come up. Focus your attention on a sensation in your body. Because what lies beneath all of these worries? That's what we're trying to get to. We're going to have the urge to fidget. We're going to have the urge to get up and start doing something. Fold the laundry. Answer the message that came up on the phone. But these are all urges that we have to control. Because beyond these urges lies solitude. Where you can find the gift of your own values. And in order for us to control the urge of continually working, I'm actually doing a webinar on this topic. It's titled Controlling Urges, and it has to do with monitoring these impulses. Impulses that drive our actions, and it seems like we don't have any control over it. In order to contain these urges that are moving you away from solitude, this webinar is going to give you practical guidelines on how to exactly go about doing that. Again, it will be about handling urges around compulsive behavior and how to actually answer the urge rather than acting on an urge. The webinar is going to be on June 12th at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, and I will leave the link for registration in the show notes. Logically, the way it works is that you go over the hump of giving in to your urges, and when you actually arrive at solitude and boredom, you engage the parts of the brain that are creative. This is the method of discovering the answers for your life. You will get the answers and you will begin to trust them. A truly powerful gift that you can give yourself. With that, I pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he clarifies for us the voice of our inner wisdom and help us delineate it from the voice that's trying to lead us astray.
I pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we use these moments of solitude to create a deep connection with Him. I pray for the whole Muslim Ummah to follow this sunnah with conviction. Please keep me in your du'as. I will talk to you guys next time. Hey, are you thinking about coaching? I invite you to a complimentary consultation with me where I can help you define the solution to your problem, regardless if you choose to work with me in the Empowered Muslim Women program or not. So you really have nothing to lose. Access the appointment link through the show notes and inshallah, I will see you there.